That was pretty. The only part of the question is what they kill but continue, continuing to give us this time that we may continue to learn your word, Lord. Pray to thank you that we may be able to gather each night, Lord, that we may be able to listen to your word, Lord, and that we will be able to understand you more, Lord, and that we will be able to love you and worship you even more, Lord. Pray that for the people who are listening in or for the people who are joining in for today's session, that you may give them an open heart and open mind, open ears, Lord, that they may listen to you. able to understand, Lord. Um, give us strength that we continue to listen to your word, Lord. In Jesus' Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, let's read together. First of all, the scriptures, John, taken from John chapter 7, verses 32 to 44. And then we're going to zoom in to look at verses 37 to 38. Today is quite interesting because we come to the last day of the feast itself and we will see um, yeah, how, how Jesus interact with them. The thing he said, and how is it related to the feast itself? So let's read together, John chapter 7, verses 32 to 44. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer and then I'm going to him who sends me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying you will seek me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard this word, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the city, the village where David was? So there was a diversion among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. So let's read together verses 37 to 38 again, and we shall look at these two verses today. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in him in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So first of all, as we start, we know that right now in the setting of John chapter 7, uh, it is about a feast, right? As At least we can see from verse 2 is the feast of booths now is at hand so the whole story the whole incident the whole account of john chapter 7 happened during this duration of the feast of the booth now as jesus had interaction with the different people in jerusalem ultimately he ended up here we end up here and now it's on the last day now usually when we look at time itself we brush it off as, oh, it's just indicating and or telling us when did this happen. We don't really see the significance behind this date itself. But, but today I want to show us that actually the date is of great importance, especially for, in this case, the context of when this happened and what Jesus says makes a lot more sense when we come to term of why, uh, when this thing happens exactly. 
So first of all, we talk about the Feast of the Booths. Uh, compared to verse 14, where it is mentioned that it's about the middle of the feast when Jesus started preaching, now we have come to the end of the feast. Now, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 36, it says here, For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. So this almost sounds like a command of the Sabbath that you are called to rest. You're not supposed to do anything but to assemble together as a holy convocation to present a food offering to the Lord. This last day of the Feast of the Bull itself is important. It's important. It marks the end of this Feast of Bull. It marks the end of this whole duration of celebration of festive season. And the last offering will be made to God, made to the Lord himself. And so that is the first point that I want to bring up. On this last day, the last offering is made, given. Now, uh, according to Jewish tradition, uh, what they say is that this kind of sacrifices starts on the first day. So on the first day, they will have 13 uh, bullocks. They will sacrifice 13 bullocks on the first day. And then every day subsequently, they will have there will be one less. So on the first day, you will sacrifice 13. On the second day, you will sacrifice 12. On the third day, you will sacrifice 11, etc., 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 until you sacrifice the sacrifice seven on the seventh day. Now, if we were to do the math, it will add up to 70 bullocks being sacrificed altogether during this duration. And lastly, on the eighth day, which is the last day of this whole celebration, on the eighth day themselves, they will sacrifice one last bullock. So that will be the last sacrifice already. So what is this sacrifice for? Now, what does this kind of sacrifice symbolize? Now, to us as Christians, we know that seven itself has a very, holds a very important, it is a very important number to us. You know, it represents wholeness, it represents wholeness, whole thing, right? So in the ancient Jewish faith, in fact, even today, right now, the Jewish traditions understand 70 to represent 70 nations of the world. Not to say that there are only 70 nations of the world back then. And in fact, now we have over 200 different countries or sovereign states out there. But 70 to represent all the nation, to represent the whole nations of this world. That sacrifice is made on behalf of each and every single one of them. That a sacrifice is made on behalf of the whole world. And so that's the first thing, first aspect of it, the first seven days, the first 70 sacrifices made on the first seven days. And on the last day, on the eighth day itself, which when this thing happened, when this whole account happened, the great day itself, the sacrifice is made for the Jews specifically. That on this day, there will be a great sacrifice one sacrifice only meant for the Jews to represent a sacrifice given to the Jews. That as the ceremony draws to an end, this is what they do. But this is the last thing that they do. Now, besides that, you know, we have the convocation, uh, holy, uh, we have the, it's basically a holy gathering. You can imagine it as that. And also, there'll be a blessing given by the priest, etc., etc., etc. And then there'll be one more thing that comes into play. What happens is that during this celebration, there will be a ceremony of drawing and pouring of water right there. Now, the description by one of the Jewish uh, historians accounts as such, the pouring out of the water was after this manner. 
A golden pot which held three locks was tilted out of the silo. It is basically a, a container, a tank, you can imagine is there. And when they came to the water's gate, they blew their trumpets and shouted and blew. Then a priest went up the essence of the altar and turned to the left hand where were two silver basins that on the west side was filled with water and on the east side was filled with wine. He poured the basins of water into that of the wine and that of the wine into that of the water. So, so in essence, they actually exchanged uh, one container of wine to another container of water. So there is that element and that aspect of pouring of water. Now this itself, actually to them, as they understand it, as they relate to them, actually refers to the pouring of the Spirit, which is very interesting. Because we don't ever think about that, you know, we don't ever think about the Jews themselves understanding that there is a Spirit. But yes, in this case, when they're pouring the water itself, it relates to the Holy Spirit. And that itself explains why they understood when it comes to verse 39, that he said these things about the Spirit. So they understand that. And ultimately, when we look at verse 38, when we see the, oh, his heart will flow rivers of living water, when you have this whole idea of water and thirstiness and river itself actually has a lot of relationships with the Old Testament and especially with the Jews, their own understanding of the festivals itself. There is a sacrifice being made here. There is a sacrifice being made here and there is also an outpouring of a certain thing, which in this case would be the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's also not new to them that this ultimately relates to salvation, especially later on when we see in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, it says here, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. This, this understanding of water, this understanding of thirstiness always relates to a certain form of salvation that they themselves understand. And so it is on this day itself, that they saw this incident. In fact, this salvation draws even, even more closer to them, that their understanding is even greater because on this day, it will be the day where they bring up the request of rain. That for the upcoming year, they wish for God to pour down rain for them, for their livelihood, for them to even stay alive. Rain is of utmost importance. I think for us, we might not understand that as much. But just imagine me, if me, you know, you are on a farm, you know, growing all the different crops out there, different your a, a wide field of corn, of cucumbers, of whatever vegetables you can imagine on the farm, and there was no rain. You will not have you will not have any harvest. You will not have any food. There's nothing to sustain you if there is no rain. It's of almost important for them during this celebration, especially during the last day itself, to request for rain during the upcoming years. And so it is during this time when Jesus himself stood up and cried out and proclaimed an invitation that yes, you should desire earthly gains. You should desire materialistic wealth in that sense to stay alive. Yes, that is important. Water is important for you to stay alive in the material sense. Yes, it's water. You need it. But yet you have missed out something that is even more important that I'm going to tell you about right now. And so the invitation of the gospel is being given to them. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If a man thirsts, come to Christ, for he will show compassion to you. 
Now, of course, we as Christians, when we see this, we understand that it's not a natural thirst. But for they themselves, the thirst so might not also be referring to a natural thirst that they themselves might have understood it. Now, being thirsty itself is not an uncommon uh, illustration given in the scriptures. All of them know about thirst. For the Jews themselves, they will have known about the Israelites in the wilderness, the more suffering that they have, that they were thirsty for water before Moses broke the rock and gave them water. They themselves know that there is a form of thirstiness, there's a form of pain right there for a person to be thirsty. Samson, after he slain the Philistine, was also thirsty. In fact, even right now as we read through the scripture, we know that Christ on the dying cross was thirsty. This was all the illusions in some ways to describe to us the amount of pain and tragedy that a thirsty man would be in. And this is the case for us living in the world. I don't know how many of you guys have actually gone to that kind of extent where you're so thirsty. You just cannot hold it. But I myself, the worst I have experienced was during one of my training sessions where it was quite crazy. We had a full day of training, the Piscino water break. It was so terrifying that your, your throat was so dry that even when you drink water, your, your, your throat was, is not cured. You do not find that your thirst is quenched. You still feel thirsty. You, feel, you still feel dry. So that is the spiritual realm that we are living in today. All men are thirsty for something. All men are seeking for someone to give him a drink. Christ gave out the invitation, if anyone thirsts, if any one of you recognize your thirst, let him come to me and drink. If any of you realize that there is a thirstiness, which all of you should realize, come to me and drink. I'm different from everything else that you have six for before. Come to him. Let him come to me, come to me as Christ and drink from me. Why? Drink from me and not from your empty rituals, not from your keeping of the mosaic. Not for it itself is but a container with no water in it. You need to drink from the true and living water. You need to drink from Christ himself. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. See, this is the sad truth and the sad reality of just human beings. We don't want to drink from Christ. You know, people are desperate for water. Why are there so many religions out there in this world? Why are there so many philosophies to explain life in this world that ultimately some people give up and believe that there is no God? Some people become agnostic and say that, yes, there is a God, but we don't know who is it. It can be either one. Why are there so many religions out there? Because for them to quench their thirst, for them to seek out a thirst, they themselves will drink anything and everything. Now, if a man is thirsty to a point that he's desperate, and he's out there in the sea. He's surrounded by water. He's surrounded by seawater. Will he drink it? Most definitely. If a man is so thirsty and he's surrounded by bottles of Coke, Coca-Cola, will he drink it? Yes. Does it quench the thirst? No. None of this thing quenched their thirst. But will they drink it? Yes, because it seems as though it is liquid. It seems as though it flows. It seems as though it is drinkable and he will drink it. But their thirst will never be quenched. In fact, it will kill them even faster. And this is the sad truth. We don't seek for Christ for any comfort and for any quenching of our thirst. If anyone comes to Christ, the invitation is given out there. If any one of you is willing to come to me, if any one of you were to come to me freely, come to me.
and I will give you drink. I will give you a drink. And that is the call of salvation that we should be given, that we should be giving out there, the free and full pardon of the sin through Christ Jesus, justified by his righteousness, a greater degree of knowledge of him, more communion with him, and more comfortability with him. And that itself is what we drink of. The communion with him, the understanding of him, that whole that whole sincerity of milk, uh, of seeking of the milk towards Christ, that eager desire for him. And pains and uneasiness without them as a man is, who has a violent thirst upon him, are such as a regenerate and quickened by the Spirit of God. That we are quickened by the Spirit himself, that when we come to drink of him. Now, in verse 38, it explains even further of what Christ was speaking about. If anyone at any point was thinking that in verse 37, he was talking about a physical thirstiness, verse 38 explains it all. Whoever believes in me, whoever has faith in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That the streams of living water runs when someone believes in me. You know, you don't just hear it, you don't just come to me, but you must believe in what I have shown to you, that what I have I will be showing to you. Come to me. Whoever believes in me, the first thing is faith. Faith grants us this satisfaction that we are longing for. Faith is the thing which draws us to Christ. Faith is the thing that grants us the communion with Christ. Faith is that which God draws and gives us salvation. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, what does living water mean? Well, of course, it means uh, water that is not dead. What does it mean? Well, in our own context, it's almost like a, person, a kind of personification of water itself. We, we talk about running water. You know, we talk about running tap. Is the tap actually running? No. The water is actually, actually running? No, it's moving. It's not a stagnant water. It's a water that is like a stream that keeps flowing. A river of living water is just that. A body of water that runs like a stream, an abundant of water. Now, why is it called living? Well, one of, the, one of the guess that most people have is that if a stagnant water, you cannot drink from a stagnant water. You know, out there, survival guys that always tells you, don't drink from stagnant water, drink from streams. Why? Because it's running. If it's running, there will be no bacterial built up. There will be no algae um, built up or whatnot. There, there is no, there's nothing bad in that water that could kill you that easily if it's running. And it is the case here that this is what Christ himself has provided for us. That abundantness of water, that abundantness of life itself, that abundance which is found by the Spirit himself. For the Spirit himself will be given to us. That out of our heart flows rivers of living water, that out of our hearts flows the Spirit. Now, is he right here speaks and argues against whatever the Jewish has believed? That they themselves speaks about matter, that they themselves display a very metaphoric understanding of the water flowing here and there, the outpouring of the water, the outpouring of the spirit. 
But Christ says here that if you believe in me, this is where the true spirit, the true living water is able to pour out. Where true sacrifices are made, where true salvation is given to us. That is the call right there. Come to him and drink. Whoever believes in him truly drank of him. And not just his thirst will not just quench, but he himself will be filled with that water. I think this is often our times what we ourselves need, and we ourselves should be asking for. Our own faith, our own thirst towards God, our own thirst towards Christ. How often of times do we turn aside from God and look to other things? If we are truly filled with living water, if we have truly tasted this water and we have truly understood this water, why do we not come to Christ? You know, as we go through the book of Proverbs, as we go through, continue to speak about wisdom, who do we turn for for wisdom? Who do we turn to for life advices? Is it Christ? I think this is a question that we need to ask ourselves. Is it Christ? Where is Christ in our life? Now, going back to the old analogy, many of us at desperate times in the sea knows not to drink of the seawater because we know that it doesn't quench our thirst. But yet, some of us still falls into their foolishness to drink of it. And so do many people around us drink from the seawater, drink from the world for advice, seek for the world for advice, and ultimately that will cause them their death. Are we out there to show them, to point them where to drink? You know, we cannot feed them this water in that sense. We cannot force it down into them. But we have the duty to point to Christ. If anyone thirsts, let him come to drink. Uh, come to me and drink. Christ did not force anyone to come. You will come freely. That you yourself will come freely to show that you are the elect, to show that you are the people of God. And so it's the same for us. Are we doing that duty? Are we doing our duty to be out there sharing this drink, pointing towards this stream? pointing towards where their thirst will be quenched. I think with that, I will end us off here. Something for us to really go back and think a bit more about and think about our own relationship with Christ also. Uh, can I have Tising to close us in prayer for tonight? Dear oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit and for telling in us Will you, help, will you help us to thirst for your word that we may be satisfied and with your true living water and we may be able to let this living water flow to us to the other people that they may be also they may also be able to taste and see that you are good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.